The scripture lesson today comes from the book of Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 10 this morning. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do. That you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. That he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart whether you would keep His commandments or not. And He humbled you and let your hunger... And He humbled you and let your, you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that He might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son... The Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in His ways and by fearing Him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out of the valleys and the hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full. And you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. This is the word of the Lord. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction, and an arrogant spirit before the fall. Have you all ever heard that before? Pride goes before the fall, that's usually what you end up hearing. That's a phrase that I have heard a lot in my life when I was growing up, and I wasn't ever quite sure what exactly it meant. If you actually break down the structure of the sentence, it really could mean any number of things. But the best I could figure out is that there is some strong correlation between a person's pride and a person messing up unbelievably in their life. My grandpa, the colorful man that he is, a lot of y'all haven't had the opportunity to meet him, he has got a lot of different phrases that he'll say, and he says them at regular points throughout your life, and they're always the same points, but you always have trouble figuring out what they mean until about 5, 10, 15, sometimes 20 years later, you finally get it. But he just says them. And and one of these that is very similar to this pride goes before the fall is, Josh, you're about to skin your ignorance. I don't know if you all have ever heard that phrase before or not. I had no idea what it meant for almost 20 years. That's just a really strange phrase. But about 20 years after I had first heard this, I think I figured it out. When you don't know exactly what you're doing, but you're 100% sure that you're right, and you decide to barrel right on ahead with whatever it is that you were doing without thinking about what the implications may be for you or the people around you, that is when you will often find yourself face down on the ground with your nose scuffed up and your pride hurt. Pride can often lead to these sort of situations. You start to think that everything you do is better than any, anything anyone else can do. I've always done pretty well in school. It's just come naturally to me. It's one of the gifts that God gave to me. When I was in high school, I rarely had to study. It, really, I, I never studied. They'd give me my books at the start of the school year. I'd put them in my locker, and I would take them out again, dust the dust off, and turn them in at the end of the year. It's just the way life was for me. I could get A's and, and occasionally B's, but mostly A's. It was pretty routine. I, didn't, I just never had to learn how to study. College was a different story. 
I began college with the idea that I was one of the top people in my class in high school, and so that clearly was going to translate into college, and I was quickly woken up to reality. That wasn't the way it was. My very first writing assignment in college was supposed to be for a class that was to adjust incoming freshmen to the rigors of writing a paper for college professors. It worked. I adjusted quickly. I don't remember exactly what I wrote about. Truth be told, that's probably a good thing because I don't think the professor really remembered what I had written about either right after she graded it. I can remember that the day we all got our grades back, most of us were the top students in our high school. We were the big fish in the little ponds, and now we were in a different pond, and we weren't sure how big the other fish were. And we were waiting to get that first paper back to figure out the size of all of us. And I was eager. I figured I've written another paper. It'll be another A. I can add it to my long list. But I got that paper back. And I shouldn't have been surprised to see what I saw. I only spent about 45 minutes writing the paper, after all, so I shouldn't have been surprised when I flipped to the last page and I saw a big, red, giant D-, minus, followed by these words. I gave you a D- minus out of pity. (laughs) It's possible that you said something worth redeeming this paper in the last half of it, but I have no idea because it was so bad in the first half I quit reading it. In the words of my grandfather, my ignorance had been skinned, my pride was broken, and a lesson had been learned. It was a lesson in humility. My pride quickly turned into humility. I was humbled. There are very few things that will humble you as quickly as encountering something that you did not realize you couldn't do without the help of someone else when you thought that you could do that thing better than anybody else before you did it. I've received many, many, many different comments on many different papers and things that I've had to do throughout my life. These are the only comments that have hung around with me. These are the only ones that really impacted the way that I approach situations in life, even to this day. And I try to approach everything in my life from a stance of humility now, but sometimes that pride starts to grow and that humility starts to shrink. And then I remember those words from that professor. I can't even remember her name, but I remember exactly what she wrote. Those comments were tough to take in the moment, but they might be one of the greatest blessings that ever happened to me. When it happened, it frustrated me, it hurt. I was outraged. How could somebody write that on one of my papers? How could she even dare to write anything on my paper other than an A? But it was a great lesson in humility. In the midst of our world in America and in this wonderful time of November when the air starts getting cooler and we start thinking of of, of turkeys and of great macaroni pies and of sweet potato pies and all this other greatness and, and, and shopping, and we start to count our blessings, let us not forget humility. Humility is one of the greatest blessings that we could ever have. Humility is what puts everything else in perspective. Humility keeps our pride at bay. It keeps our pride from causing us to fall and ruin life for ourselves or those around us. Our pride has been plaguing us for a very long time as a species of human beings. Adam and Eve's pride ended up getting them kicked out of the garden. They wanted to be better than they were. They wanted to be something different than what they were. The Tower of Babel is another great instance of pride getting the best of someone. The people wanted to build a tower that could get them to heaven, and God scattered them throughout the world. They couldn't even talk to one another, let alone build a tower. We see this sort of downfall from pride in the story of the Exodus Pharaoh's pride got the best of him. It ended up bringing plagues on his people and it ended up killing his armies. It even cost him his firstborn son. 
All throughout the Bible, we find instances of pride causing people's fall. We really aren't that different today, are we? How many times does our pride get in the way of what needs to be happening? Pride still gets the best of us. These moments when we're humbled, they're often really, really tough to take. We want to be independent. We want to be good at what it is that we're doing, no matter what it is. We want to be able to do whatever it is that we're doing on our own to the very best of our ability, and we want others to recognize how good we are at doing what it is that we're doing, and we want the praise for that. But you see, it doesn't take very long before the pride starts transforming God's blessings in our life into things that we believe we created without the help of anyone else, let alone God. Sometimes we need to be humbled in order to take a step back and examine the situation. Sometimes we need to be humbled in order to see that God has not abandoned us and that His promise that He will be our God has not been forsaken. But being humbled, that almost always means that our pride is going to be hurt. And that's not going to feel good. Once upon a time, the Israelites were led out of Egypt and God was leading them into the promised land. And Joshua and Caleb, the leaders of the Israelites, they sent some spies ahead into the land that was to be delivered to all of Israel. Those spies returned with the message that they could not overtake the armies that were already in this land that God told them they would be able to have. Their faith wavered. They started believing more in their own lack of ability than in the power of God's deliverance. That sounds like a familiar story. I bet we don't have to think back too far before we can find instances in our own lives where we didn't do something we know we should have done because we believed we couldn't do it. There are a lot of things that we believe we can't do on our own. But Paul, in in his letters, makes it abundantly clear that we can do all things, not just some things on our own, but we can do all things through the power of God who has created us and who strengthens us and gives us all that we need to do what He needs us to do. That's clear. But time and again, we place more importance in our own shortcomings than in the power of God. God wasn't happy about it when the Israelites did it. He made them wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. We shouldn't be too surprised that God's probably not real happy when we do that either. For the Israelites, it meant that they were going to be humbled. For 40 years. I didn't like being humbled for 40 seconds when I read that paper. 40 years. That seems like a long time. And it is a long time, but it's a lot longer than many of us might like to think. You see, the lifespan back then wasn't that long. 40 years pretty much guaranteed that a generation was going to pass and a new generation would be risen up. And all of a sudden, this promise, that a promised land was going to be delivered to these people, turned into a promise that they were going to get to wander around in the desert for the remainder of their life and never see that original promise, but that God would still be with them in that desert. This time passes. The 40 years goes by. And finally, it's time for the Israelites to go and to possess this land, this promised land. God speaks to them. He tells them to go and enter into the land. But you remember... You remember those 40 years that you wandered around in the desert. You remember what caused it, and you remember what happened. They're never able to forget their time in the wilderness. It's in this time in the wilderness that they find to be one of their greatest gifts. They find this humility that they learned in the wilderness to be one of their greatest 
gifts. The wilderness doesn't provide anything for anyone. The wilderness takes things away from you. It takes away food. It takes away shelter. It takes away water. It takes away comfort and security. It takes everything away from you except fear and doubt. It gives those to you. But even in the midst of this wilderness, God was there with His people. God was there. And it may have been for discipline and punishment that these Israelites were there in the wilderness, but God walks through the desert with His people as they are being shaped. God provides food for them in this barren wasteland. It might not have been what they wanted, but He gave them food. God provided water for them in the midst of this dry desert. He gave them health. He gave them clothes. said their feet didn't swell. Their clothes didn't wear out. God removed them from anything that they thought they had provided for themselves. The Israelites started thinking more of themselves than they should have. Their pride grew too great. They, weren't, they went from this promise that they would have a promised land to this promise that God would be with them in a different sort of land. What a lesson in humility. There's a reason for all of this. It wasn't just punishment. It was to shape His people so that when they entered into this promised land full of everything they could possibly need and more, they could remember who it was that provided it for them. They wanted to think that everything around them had come about as a result of their own hard work, of everything that they had done. They would remember those times after these 40 years that they had nothing but the promise of a faithful God to hold on to. God needed His people to understand that He is the source of all of their blessings. They were about to enter into a time of more abundance than they had ever experienced before. It also meant that with all of these blessings, they were going to have more responsibility than they had ever had before. With blessings come responsibility. With gifts come responsibility. God needed them to be able to handle that. We live in America. It's a land of abundance. We can't deny that. I recognize that we've been through a time of recession here in the last decade in in America, and it may feel like we don't have much, and there may be some of us who don't have much, and that's okay, that's understandable. But I read an article a couple of years ago that said that if you have got loose change in your car, you're in the top 26th percentile of wealth in the world. I imagine that probably includes all of us, if not almost all of us. Like it or not, There's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. Remember how I said humility is a great gift because it allows us to keep everything in perspective? Let's take a look at what's going to happen in the next month here in our lives. Let's do it through eyes of humility so that we can keep a good perspective on things. People throughout our country are making plans to have Thanksgiving meals with family and friends. There's going to be more food than most people can ever dream of. More food than we can even give away. Last year, we did the Thanksgiving meal drive here for the families at hospice, and we literally had more food than we could give away. We couldn't even find places to take all of the food. Now, now thankfully, we've got organizations now in the town that have made it so that this food can get to the people it needs to get to, but we have got more than we actually can do with. What are we going to do with it? November's a time of abundance when we recognize our abundance in America. Not everybody has a home or a family to go to. Not everybody has food to eat. Who's going to be around your dinner table? Will it be friends? Will it be family? Will it be the same people that it always has been or always is? Or might we try something a little bit different this year? Would you be willing to invite a stranger into your home to eat with you? Someone you don't know. 
someone you may have not even met yet, would you be willing to invite them into your home to eat with you? To share a meal? To share some love around that Thanksgiving meal? Knowing that your home, your food, all of those blessings that God has given to you are supposed to be a gift to be shared with others. Are you willing to invite someone into your home who isn't normally around that table? What about the day after Thanksgiving? Black Friday. That's a fun day, isn't it? How many of y'all do shopping on Black Friday? Really? Really? How many of y'all shop on Black Friday? I've done it before. I like to people watch on Black Friday. I don't like to shop. I like to watch people do whatever it is that they do, act like they don't act the rest of the year. It's just a good time to get out and to experience the coming joy of Christmas, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, it's when a lot of the stores are going to go into the positive for the remainder of the year. And when I was growing up, we would be there after Thanksgiving dinner, after we had eaten more than our bodies can handle, and we were swollen, and we were about to fade off into a nice afternoon nap, and we would all be watching these, uh, looking through the paper for these advertisements to find out what Best Buy was going to have, to find out what Target was going to have, to find out what Toys R Us even might have, because I had to get the latest and greatest video game that was out at the time. And we just couldn't wait to get what was in the other person's hand so we could see what sale was going to be going on. Never mind, we just ate more than we really needed. We just ate enough to last the entire week. And now we're looking to fill our lives with even more stuff that we don't really need, but we want it because it's on sale. We started making our Christmas list right then and there, filling it with things we didn't really want, but with things that we felt we needed at that price. Would we do that if we started seeing all of our resources as gifts from God rather than things that we earned with our own two hands? Remember this abundance in this promised land that the Israelites were about to go into. They needed to be humbled. They needed to realize that what they were given wasn't because of anything they had done. They needed to realize that God was providing for them so that they could provide for others. We're no different. We're God's people. We've been provided for so that we can help provide for others. Now, that's not to say that we didn't work hard for what we have. We may have. We may have. But it's all a gift from God. Would we be more ready to offer grace and mercy to those who may not deserve grace and mercy? If we started thinking about the grace and mercy that God has given to each of us as a gift that maybe we didn't deserve? Would we be willing to spend time with those who need our time when we would rather be doing something else? If we realize that God spends time with us each day as a gift? Would we be willing to offer words of encouragement and love to those who haven't heard such words of kindness? If we saw God's love as a gift rather than something that we can try to earn? We can't do that. Sometimes we just need a lesson in humility in order to see the world a little differently. Sometimes we need to have our pride broken and scuffed up in order to see all of these gifts that come from God. It doesn't mean that we haven't put in that hard work. Again, we have. But everything we have comes from God. See, with humble hearts, with hearts that recognize the grace and mercy and love of God, the one who has created us all, We can approach life the way that God wants us to, the way that God has asked us to. We can love one another better. We can love God better. 
We can offer grace to others that God has offered to us. We can reflect the image of God to the world in a way that makes God smile. That's a blessing. That is a huge blessing. But only with humble hearts can we move from this land of a barren wilderness into a promised land that's filled with more resources and more abundance than we could ever possibly dream of. Enter into this season of thanksgiving with humble hearts. See if the wilderness starts looking a little differently. See if the thorns and the thistles start looking more like fig trees and vines full of pomegranates. See if the dry riverbeds start flowing with milk and honey. See if the hills of dust and stone start glimmering from precious metals. Listen. See if you can hear the voice of God in this promised land. 